Welcome to Simmering Thoughts, where hosts Ryan Akers and Chris Dean lift the lid to sample slow-cooked thinking on Christian life and theology. You can find Simmering Thoughts by visiting our website, simmeringthoughts.podbean.com, by looking us up in Facebook, emailing simmeringthoughts at gmail.com, or following us on Twitter at SimmerThoughts. We'd love to hear from you and would appreciate any ratings and reviews you feel we've earned by posting those at Google Play and in iTunes. Settle in and enjoy. Well, hello, everybody. My name is Ryan Akers, and I am the host of Simmering Thoughts. Today, I do not have my normal co-host, Chris Dean, and unfortunately, I have some bad news to share uh, because of just a bunch of different life circumstances. Chris is having to step away from being our guest host, on, or our guest host, our regular host on Simmering Thoughts, and so we're going to have a series of guest hosts over the next few episodes until I decide whether I want to have a guest host again or who that might be. But until then, we do have some guests, and I have a replacement, Chris, for us today. Today we have Chris Griggs, who is the pastor of Denver Baptist Church in Denver, North Carolina. He is also one of the hosts of the Front Pew podcast, and he is an all-around funny guy and a good guy and a wise. He's a wise guy in both sense of the words in some ways. <laughs> but uh, uh, I want inter- <laughs> to uh, introduce him to you. And uh, welcome him to the podcast. Chris, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit more than I did, and welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Ryan. And listen, what a treat for me to be on Simmering Thoughts. This is like a dream come true. <laughs> and uh, it is. You, you do such a great job on the podcast, and I'm honored to uh, guest host tonight or today or whenever it's being <laughs> listened to. But yeah, I'm in North Carolina in Denver where nobody knows where that is. It's just north of Charlotte, North Carolina, in a little community called Lake Norman. And I've been here almost 13 years as the pastor of Denver Baptist Church. And I grew up in North Carolina. I'm kind of a North Carolina boy. And uh, went out of the state a little bit for ministry. was in Virginia for a while and Georgia for a while. But now I'm back in North Carolina and... and, uh, very, very thankful to the Lord for the call to to know Jesus and then the call to serve Jesus. So it's, it's uh, yeah, so things things are good here. Things are all right. Excellent. Well, the town I am in is also a small town that most people can't find on a map. Uh, it is a town that maybe you've heard of, but finding it is a little difficult. And if you blink when you come through, you might miss it as well. And that's in uh, Santa Claus, Indiana. Uh, we're a little oh, place yeah. west of Louisville, about an hour and a half or a little bit less than just off I-64. And uh, it's it, if you don't mean to come here, you might miss us. Now, how close is that to Pawnee? Uh, Pawnee, Indiana? I have no clue. <laughs> That's a town I did don't you... know. <laughs> well, did, did you ever watch Parks and Recreation? Parks no, I did Rec- not. I did not. That's not. Oh, I, okay. I'm not much of a TV guy lately. Uh, the last yeah, uh, see, that took that took place in the town, the fictional gotcha. town of Pawnee. Okay, I see. I've always wanted to visit Pawnee, but it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. See, there you go. You got yeah. me one. That figures you'd catch me. <laughs> uh, I should have known you were asking me a trick question. 
Uh, oh, well, I, I I thought you watched TV. I didn't know. No. I'm sorry. Well, it's it's a curse of being a band director for a while. We were working, uh, doing that. The, the hours I kept, uh, there was a limited amount of TV I could watch. And most of the time I'd come home yeah. and watch sports so I could veg out and not really notice what was there. Yeah. So uh, yeah, scripted TV moves. and I have not gotten along or well for a long time. So, uh, yeah. well, want to jump into our topic tonight and we are going to look at what it is when we get into dry spots in our walks. Uh, every once in a while, I think everybody who's been a Christian for very long at all understands this. Every once in a while, you kind of hit a valley, a rough spot when mm -hmm. uh, you go into prayer time and it's just it's it's like talking into dead air. And when you open up the word, you can look at the words and you can read the words, but there's it, it just kind of it's just words. And uh, there's yeah. times when when as we go through our life, it's hard to love on folks. It's hard to be loved. And those are all kind of related things. Uh, oftentimes I've found that they kind of come together. Uh, one will mm -hmm. come and then the rest tend to follow. And uh, wanted to talk with Chris about this in particular because uh, they just did an episode on the front pew on the summer summer swoon, you might call it, in churches, whereas sure. everybody's out and, and how pastors react to that. And I've, as I was thinking about guests and, and uh, trying to figure out where to go for this week, I wanted to talk about this idea of how do we go through these dry times and get back into a state where things are rich again and, and we can rest in the goodness of uh, the Lord and the goodness of his word and just rest in his presence. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah. so, you know, I wanted to bring Chris on, not just because of that conversation, but I also got a chance to meet him in person. One of the first few Twitter people that I know of that I've been able to reach out and shake their hand. Uh, we, yeah, we met yeah. up down at uh, SBC convention this year in Dallas at a, at a uh, podcaster's coffee, got to spend most of a day together wandering around and uh, heading into some of the exhibit hall and some of that stuff and uh, really enjoyed the time I got to spend with him and talk to him. And I want to say thank you for welcoming a neophyte podcaster like myself and, uh, <laughs> and sitting down and talking to me. And, uh, and we got a chance to talk ministry and church life and those kinds of things. And, and uh, it was a really comfortable conversation, so I wanted to have you on here and, yeah. and talk a little bit. So, Dallas was great. We had a good time there. Absolutely. And uh, got, that was my first ever Uber Dallas. ride was with you. Well, that's right. That's yeah, because right. they don't have Uber it in Santa bad. Claus. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's no Uber. <laughs> <laughs> you could start a side business, uh, Ryan, well, and Uber around Santa I, Claus. I could Uber them from the campground to the to the amusement park. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, where I live right now, it, you, it wasn't always called Denver. Okay. It used to be called Dry Pond. And the reason they called it Dry Pond is because on the corner, there's a bank there now, but there was a little spot of land. It was a pond. And every summer it dried up. Oh, cool. And then when the fall came, the, the water, I guess from the spring, would, would flow back in and be a pond yeah. again. And so the town where I'm at used to be called Dry Pond, and it's kind of a metaphor for, uh, or, or like a illustration of what happens with us sometimes spiritually. Mm -hmm. We uh, we have these times of refreshing, where we feel like you know the spring is flowing, and then we have those seasons where we feel dried up spiritually, and it's it's common. It's uh, when you read through the Psalms. You, you get a sense from David and some of the psalmists that they know what it's like to sort of be in a place 
where it doesn't feel very uh, wet, so to speak, but it feels dry, and uh, and it feels um, it, it kind of feels like you were describing it. I don't know if it's a rut or if it's blues or if it's kind of what the old uh, Puritans would call melancholy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we just have we we have those moments, and it's normal. Yeah. Uh, to, to feel like, hey, I, I feel a special connection with the Lord in this season, followed by another season where we wonder if there's ever been any connection at all. I mean, we just go yeah. up and down, and it's kind of a normal thing. I know sometimes, in especially when I'm in that kind of a season, uh, I'll show up at church and I'll walk in the door and and. Uh, start to greet people and it's kind of like do i even know these people do i do i even yeah. fit here uh even even just walking into the building sometimes feels like you're displaced and uh, yeah. i went yeah. through that a few years ago we had gone through a uh, pastor change and i had been working hard as a as a deacon and trying to hold things and and trying to as best i could try to help guide through uh until we had our new pastor and work with inter- interim pastor and kind of maintain i guess and uh as the as the new pastor came in there was a time shortly thereafter where i went through that where i just kind of felt uh as you know i'd read the word and there it, it just wasn't wasn't hitting home it wasn't touching my heart at all it wasn't it was barely touching my mind and uh mm-hmm. so it was, it was a it was a struggle and, and even even coming in and having that relationally as well so not just not just in my time with the lord but also the time with the fellows in the in, in the sainthood as we go into the church mm-hmm. and it's just kind of dry and uh, well, that's one of the it's it's one of the issues that folks want to talk to their pastor about yeah they feel some sort of spiritual dryness a season where they just feel like things they just don't have a lot of motivation spiritually um it just, you know, and they, there's a little apathy that's set in, and it concerns them, and they reach out to me and, yep. and want some counsel. But at the same time, on, on the flip side of that, you, you were mentioning being a deacon and being a leader in the church. Yep. And and I serve as, as one of the pastors at our church. You know, it's not just people in the pew. Sometimes the leaders that go through those same experiences where it just feels, for whatever reason— we're just in a season of dryness. So it really yeah. it, it affects everybody. And sometimes I think that um, leaders can be more susceptible to it because we're around spiritual things all the time. Yeah. And, and, and we can become a little bit, they can become common to us, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. There's that story I'm remembering of the... Uh, Ark of the Covenant, when it tipped over, mm-hmm. and the guy reached out and touched it, and it killed him. And if I'm remembering correctly, and, and somebody might know the story better than me, because I'm just doing it off the top of my head, it was the Ark was actually in a house. It was hanging out in somebody's living room, this guy's living room, and so he was around it all the time. And when they started taking it down the road, and it tipped over, he just reached out and you know, went to push it back up. And and part of the idea there is that it, it was just a common thing to him. Yeah. The, the the very presence of God represented in the ark had become common. And and so I think sometimes that, that happens with leaders. 
or even just with faithful church members, uh, because we 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 lose a little bit of the sense of wonder and majesty and and weightiness of of who God is and 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 all of the things that we talk about. It becomes common, and I think that can lead be a little source of dryness, if that makes any sense at all. Absolutely, I think a little bit of that is. Um, you know, I, I, I have not great vision and if I don't have my glasses and contacts in, I can see exactly what is in front of my nose and not much else. And, and and I think sometimes we get into that, that state as leaders, we're so busy looking at the minutia of, of the day to day and, you know, get this service taken care of and plan that worship time and make sure this Bible study is put together right. And, and we forget to step back and look at the grand yeah. picture and, and see the awesomeness and how big God is. Uh, and, and to take times in those moments of wonder that present themselves to us to actually stop mm-hmm. and enjoy it. You know, I, every once in a while driving in, because we live so close to all these wonderful rivers, uh, we have some really great sunrises and sunsets around here. And, you know, we'll we'll be driving to school sometimes, and just as the sun's coming up, especially in uh, late fall and early spring, it's just right at the perfect time. And we'll actually stop on the side of the road sometimes, even if it makes me a couple moments later than I want to be to school. And we'll stop, and we'll just look at it and take pictures. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. and and sometimes it's as we stop at the school, and you know, the way the hills and the the hills fall, and there's fog, and then you've got the the multi-layer sunlight colors, and it's just it's just beautiful. And to, to rest in yeah. that. And I'll talk to my son about, you know, this is this is God's handiwork that we get to see mm-hmm. all of this stuff and take that time to to rest in that beauty. And then we do the same thing with other things. That's just one example. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes we get so worried about, you know, it's, it'd be really easy on those mornings as I'm driving in. Oops, I've got to be there right now and to just keep plowing through it. But to to intend yeah. to make to be intentional about stopping in those moments and enjoying those um, can take you to a place of devotion that that you may have missed when you were stuck in the yeah. word because you were stuck in the word and trying to get through it uh, and being on. Yeah, one of the one of the things you know as you're telling me that one of the things I'm thinking about is that our culture is very experience driven. Mm-hmm. Everything is an experience. So if you watch TV, and, and I've got you know a couple of daughters, and they they would watch uh, "Say Yes to the Dress." <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen that, Ryan. I have. Uh, I've seen little bits of it, but I've not watched it. And so what happens is this wedding now, this dress and the whole thing. It, it's almost like trying to have the biggest experience. Mm-hmm. There's actually a show, I can't remember the name of it, but these these three brides or four brides, they compete for free honeymoon by judging each other's weddings. Oh my goodness. On food and music and venue and all this stuff. And whoever gets the highest score gets a free honeymoon to Jamaica or somewhere in the Keys or Caribbean or wherever I don't know. So what what you have is vacation uh, like travel agents. They yep. sell vacations as experiences. These cruises are experiences. Everything is about it is about having an experience. So that's translated now into the church. And so for a lot of people, they're looking for an experience. Uh, 
something to wow them, something to move them, something to make them feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, where we live, I don't, I don't know about where you're at in Santa Claus, but around us, there are a lot of churches that sort of gear everything to the experience, so much so that the Sunday morning gathering is called a worship experience. It's not called a worship gathering or a worship service. It's a worship experience. And what happens is it, 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 that you can go, you identify spiritual vitality with a with that kind of a service on that kind of a Sunday. Yep. And it gets you pumped up and you have an adrenaline rush. It's like going to a ball game. Yeah. And the music is loud and the pastor is, you know, uh, he he's uh, he may or may not use the Bible, but he's motivational and he's inspirational. And people walk out and they go, wow, that was awesome. I can't wait until next Sunday. And so what's happened in our, you know, evangelical culture is that we've put so much emphasis on a one hour and 15 minute experience. That's where God meets us that the rest of the time there's a disconnect. And so it's Wednesday or Thursday and, you know, we, all we can think of is I just got to get back to church on Sunday for this to happen again. Yep, it's all, and it, I think that's contributing. Yeah, in some ways, it almost reminds me of uh, an addiction cycle where you go up to the high, and then when you, in, in between the highs, you're dragging and you're searching for that next high. Yeah, and uh, in, instead of yeah. having the steady, I was, I was also thinking about some metaphors that I've heard used on the Sunday. You know, you come to church on Sunday so we can fill up your gas tank so you can go out the rest of the week and and run through your week. As as opposed to, you know, I, I think mm-hmm. we're much more supposed to be uh, much more solar panel driven where we're supposed to get out into the sun and soak it up every day and then use that energy every right. day. Right. And nurse, mercies right. are new every morning and we're not supposed to go once a week to get filled up, but that it's supposed to be a daily coming yeah. back to and, and yeah. part of that routine exactly idea. Right. Yeah, exactly right. And so th- there's so I think there's a lot of things that contribute to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the commonness of holy things, the emphasis on experience. If we're just being real honest, sometimes it's our own sinfulness yes. that has created this barrier of fellowship that we feel. And, you know, the Bible's clear. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. And our we, we have this restoration of fellowship with him. We know our sin doesn't separate us from God in the sense of our salvation, but it does interfere with our, our ability to enjoy fellowship with him. Mm -hmm. And, um, and sometimes that's part of it. Yeah, absolutely. That's certainly the case. Uh, there's, you know, when you're, (laughs) when you're actively doing things, you know, when you think about it with your spouse, you know, if you're actively doing things that make your spouse upset, you're going to have a hard time having a close relationship for those few days until you go yeah, back yeah. and reconcile. <laughs> and then 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 the relationship starts to mend a little bit And the same thing with your kids and your boss. And, and you know, if if you're doing things that are that are disrupting the relationship, it's going to disrupt yeah. the relationship. And uh, that's yeah, a hard, my thing wife and go, I... hard thing to identify even sometimes. 
Sure. My wife and I don't fight, by the way. <laughs> we don't fight we often, don't. but we do every once in a while. It's rare. We don't fight. We never fight. We just have intense moments of fellowship. That's what we call them. <laughs> we, we don't really, it's, it's weird. We don't fight. We have a rush to take, we, we have a rush to lay blame, but it's always us trying to lay blame on ourselves rather than the other right. person. It's kind of an interesting thing we developed. And that was something we developed early in our relationship that uh, as, thing, as we noticed tensions were coming up, it's like, oh, wait, hold on. This is actually my fault, not your fault. Don't worry about it. That's right. And, uh, <laughs> and and sometimes sometimes spiritual dryness is our fault. Yeah, it, it's 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 a sin issue. And I've I'm, and I'm always reminded of this too, Ryan, is that we do have an enemy, mm. and the last thing that he wants is for us to be satisfied in Christ. Uh, the last thing that he wants is for us to be passionate for our Lord. He doesn't want that. And so we are constantly bombarded with, uh, you know, spiritual warfare and issues like that that yeah. distract us. That that he, um, and and I think that's important for Christians to remember. I mean, Paul tells us to put on the whole armor of God, and 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 you know, there's you know Peter tells us that he roars, you know, mm -hmm. like a, he's roaming like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And, you know, I think one of the things we have to remind ourselves is that he hates any fire or passion that we develop for the things of God. Mm -hmm. He hates it. And so he comes against us. And, and I think those are all pretty, I would say, normal contributing factors to a state of dryness. There's yeah. probably a hundred other things. <laughs> Those are the ones that just pop into my head right those, away. Those are the big categories. I think a lot of the other things you could you could divide up into one of those categories. That uh, mm -hmm. for the most part, there's probably some other things. I mean, there are there's certainly times, and we touched on this on our last uh, series of episodes on faithfulness, and uh, that you know sometimes it's a matter of uh, you know you, you get into a depression. Sometimes that's more than just a spiritual depression. Sometimes it's chemical. Sometimes you're dealing with sure. with things that are uh, a little bit different than uh, the spiritual causes and a little bit different than some other things. And so that's a little bit different as well. And so that's kind of a different episode. So if that's mm -hmm. this, yeah. if that's where you are, if, you, if you're going through a state of dryness and it's, it's like all across your entire life and you're in it in what would be a depression, that's, that's a time to be seeking help and to be certainly talking to a pastor, but also uh, talking to your pastor about finding somebody else especially if your pastor isn't qualified as a, as a counselor to go and find somebody sure. preferably that's a, a, a Christian counselor to really walk you through the word and, and to kind of discern what is chemical <laughs> and what is spiritual and to work with somebody yeah. who's got that experience. Yeah. Very good. Very true. And uh, with that, uh, well, we've, we've looked at some of the causes, you know, where does this come from? How do we, how do we get into that rut? Uh, so the question is now, what are some things that we can do as we step out of it? I mentioned earlier that, that I had gone through a time where I, I had this rut not too long ago. It's been a few years. And uh, about that time, uh, I had gone through uh, the transition from being a high school teacher to being an ele elementary teacher. And that was a rather large transition that caused a jolt. We had the pastor change and, and uh, that was a jolt. And at the same time, my son starts going to school and that was a jolt. And so there's a lot of things going mm -hmm. on. 
and uh, I was I was in that same time of, of being kind of worn out with with ministry and uh, all of that kind of contributed and I would I just buzzed out basically and uh, I started reading some some extra books around that time and I had some more time uh, teaching elementary that where I could spend time reading in the afternoons and I opened up a couple of books at the same time one that my pastor had gifted me uh, at a uh, training seminar it was one of the the books that he put on the gifting table uh, anybody could come mm -hmm. up and grab a book that was a series of sermons by Martin Lloyd-Jones on first John I don't remember the title of it right now I, that book is buried in a pile somewhere in the house and uh, in fact I might have loaned it out to somebody I like to do that and uh, the other one is a Paul Washer book on the power of the gospel the power of the gospel and its message uh, it's loosely mm -hmm. what the title was those two books together I read them at the same time which is a really interesting as I found out, because at the time, I really didn't know much about either of them. Uh, I'm not one who pays attention to to necessarily who's who in history and all the names and things. It's not always my thing. Even though I love history, modern history definitely isn't my thing. And uh, so I didn't know, really know who these two were. And I, and I found the books. One was free on the Internet. One was free from my pastor. I just started reading them at the same time. Because with my ADHD, if I try to read just one book, um, I get lost in a hurry. So <laughs> I read one yeah. chapter out of the book and then I'll put it down and pick up a different book and read a chapter. And I do that through several books at a time. And I had these two going at the same time I was reading through, uh, I want to say Galatians and the Psalms. And uh, just as, as I was ramping up and re relearning how to, to spend some time in reading. And those two books just kept pointing me and driving me back to and, and constantly referring back to the gospel as 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 the core bedrock and just kept pushing me that direction. And uh, it wasn't long in, in my daily readings, I got into Colossians and started reading the opening of Colossians. And that, yeah, yeah. when I got to that opening and that just, all of it combined and suddenly uh, <laughs> it was like a flip in, in my mind, just switched over and now everything just started opening up. And yeah, the, and, yeah. and it was almost like, you know, somebody turned on the faucet and suddenly there's plenty of water here. And I went into a, a really great time of growing and uh, and learning and being able to spend time in the word and having that devotional time and having study time uh, beyond that. It, it's so just driving me back to the gospel for me, that was one of the things that was really big. And it, it wasn't so much that, you know, I've heard often the advice to, to maintain in prayer and to really drive into prayer. And that that would lead to the other things. For me, it worked a very different way. For me, it was I dug into the word and back to the gospel. And then that brought me back into where I felt like I could pray and really yeah. open yeah. up. And uh, and so that was for me a little bit different. And uh, and and. You know, I know that it's a little bit different for everybody. And that's part of the reason I sure. wanted to talk to a pastor, because, you know, you've dealt with that a little bit more uh with uh, dealing yeah. with you know congregation for that long you know you're going to deal with the different personalities and 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 see that a little bit more and but yeah. you know driving back into the gospel for me was something that you know it, it would seem that it's second nature to us mm -hmm. but it isn't and and we often forget that that's the place to go yeah L lloyd jones has a book called uh spiritual depression mm -hmm. and in that book he makes a statement that I've remembered for a long time. He says that um, we should never 
listen to our hearts, but that we should talk to our hearts. Or he says we should never listen to ourselves. Don't listen to yourself. Talk to yourself. Mm-hmm. And what he means is that if you if you sit still and you begin to listen to yourself, you'll hear yourself telling you things uh, about uh, all kinds of things about doubts and discouragements and how you don't measure up and how you're not worth much and how none how none of this matters. And so Lloyd Jones says instead. He says, talk to yourself and remind yourself of what you know to be true and right and good in the gospel. Mm. And and there is, you know, this idea in in those moments that I've had spiritual dryness. The the and, and to be honest, when you're there, you don't really want to do anything about it normally. Yeah. You you're you're there, you don't want to read your Bible, you don't want to pray. You don't want to, you know. You, I, I tend to isolate myself. I don't want to be around people. Yeah. Um, and all those things are bad, but um, but one of the things that I what, that sort of begins to jostle me out, begins to get the spring flowing again, is just by rehearsing what I know to be true in the gospel. And I do this several ways. You know, one is with music. Mm-hmm. And um, I love music. I know you're a music guy. Absolutely. But I I don't listen to a lot of Christian music, and I just I just like music. So I listen right. to all kinds of music. But when I sense that dryness, I intentionally drive myself to um, worship music, worship songs that remind me of the grace of God and the goodness of God and the glory of God greatness of God and and songs you know that begin to uh, speak to my heart once again that he's worthy mm-hmm. and and here's why he's worthy and then to be able to, to praise him and let let that start the the watering again um, th- th- I usually start there An- another thing that's been really really helpful to me is is to go back and read portions of Pilgrim's Progress. Oh yeah. Now, I, I I don't know if you've ever read that book before. Yes, I have. But the the whole theme of the book, uh, and I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hadn't read it. But <laughs> if you haven't, if you're listening to this spoiler podcast, spoiler alert on a hundred years old book, hundreds of years old book. Hundreds, yeah, four hundred years old. If if you if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't read it. You, you really need to, to grab a copy and read Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And if you want it, to, it, you can send me an email and I will I will find you a link because I know it's free online because it's in yeah. uh, it's it's public domain by by easily. Yeah, Desiring God actually on their website has a free version of yeah. it. You can print it out and read it. But one of the things that happens, you know, in the book is that um, his original the it's about a pilgrim. And his original name is Graceless, yep. and he becomes Christian. And he, honestly, he becomes Christian pretty early in the story. And the, it's called Pilgrim's Progress because it's the story of a Christian's life from the, from the moment you know, of, of his salvation all the way until he reaches the celestial sea. And there's one scene in there that's really moving to me, and it's when... Uh, the the giant despair 
grabs him and throws him into the dungeon of Doubting Castle. Yep. And and he's beaten and the giant actually comes and says, You guys might as well kill yourselves. You're never getting out of here. And it's day after day after day. And you can just feel the despair and the dryness and the darkness creeping in on Pilgrim. And then he says, uh, what a fool I've been. And he remembered that he had a key around his neck. And that key represented the promises of God. And he takes that key and he unlocks the cell, the dungeon, and he is set free from Doubting Castle, and he escapes giant, the giant of despair. And, and one of the things I remember when I first read that thinking, now that's something, that's a key to uh, the Christian life, is by remembering God's promises to you. And, and so in those moments of dryness, when I feel despair and I feel disconnected, I usually remember that story. Uh, and I let Bunyan minister to me a little bit. Yep. And I just try to find a promise that I know is true. For example, uh, one you mentioned earlier, you know, uh, his mercies are new every morning. Yes. And I just try to remember that, that right now today, his mercy is available to me. Um, and I just try to rest in some particular promise um, you know, Psalm 50, verse 15 says, mm -hmm. you know, call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. What oh, a great yeah. promise. Absolutely. And, you know, just try to find that promise, hold on to it, pray that promise, mm -hmm. um, preach that promise to myself. And what I found, it is kind of a key that unlocks that, that dungeon door and begins to help me feel the refreshing living waters once again in my soul. Now, it might take a while. It doesn't always happen quickly. Yeah. But, but I usually do those two things, I use, or three things. I try to preach the gospel to myself, uh, put myself in a position where I'm invited to praise the Lord. You know, there's a lot of songs like uh, Praise Him in the Storm mm -hmm. and... Though he will slay, though he slay me, I will praise him. There's a lot of songs that sort of communicate that in those moments, that's the best time to praise him. What so around to that, do that? Yeah, around that same time earlier is a, a song that uh, has has spoken to me for a long time. Is "Blessed Be the Name," where you know yeah. whether I'm in the dry place or whether I'm in the place of flourishing doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm still right, going to praise right. his name. And that that song yeah. around that time had stuck into my head. I've got a strange question for you. Yeah. Related to Pilgrim's Progress. This is a little off topic. Mm -hmm. uh, have yeah. you read the C.S. Lewis take on Pilgrim's Progress where he took his autobiography? Uh, he calls it The Pilgrim's Regress. I know of it, but I've never read it. Man, that it is for me, and it was as good of a read as Pilgrim's Progress was. Uh, around that time, I had, I had kind of toyed with reading Narnia when I was little and I just had a hard time with it and came back to it as, as a young adult. Uh, I'd like when I say young adult, I mean like actually out of college, young adult. <laughs> so mm -hmm. just as I had started my own life basically. Uh, and I got in and started reading Narnia and, and read a lot of CS Lewis things. And I bought a bargain at 
I like bargain books. Can you tell? I bought a bargain oh, book yeah. at Barnes and Noble that had a collection of his writings, and it had his autobiography, which is called Surprised by Joy. And in yes. the same volume, it has Pilgrim's Regress right next to it. And I had read Surprised by Joy and then then read The Regress, and it's the same exact thing told, one in modern prose and the other one in the style of Bunyan. And oh, how about that? it is something else. So I commend that to you. Uh, something to yes. read. It's it's a not a his is not the grammar in Lewis isn't as foreign to me as the Bunyan is just because of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But much like C.S. Lewis in much of his reading, if, if other than Narnia for me, I have to kind of take it in paragraphs and digest for a little bit uh, because he does write. It's just dense and thick and heavy. Uh, yeah. With with his choice of words, there's there's no easy sentences where you can just kind of skate through. Uh, and oh, so, yeah. uh, and I like that. I love reading that kind of book, but, uh, I do commend that to you. It is, it is a good read. Uh, if you remember that is, it, it's him telling his walk from growing up young and then going through the time period of, of, of considering himself an atheist and then uh-huh. coming back into the life of faith and just watching. And he tells it uh in much he tells it in much of the same details and and pictures that you get out of bunyan but just with his own places where he went and explored the different philosophies that he explored uh which which bunyan Uh. doesn't deal with uh philosophical history because that wasn't his gig and it was lewis's i mean that was his stock and trade was was dealing with philosophy and so he actually deals with all the different philosophies he explored in his walk as he went from a, you know, a childhood faith through the war and into his atheism and then back into the, the faith. And it is, it's fascinating and it's, it's some heavy stuff, but it's a really good read. Oh, well, I am looking forward to reading it. I'm getting on a plane <laughs> Ooh, there you go. in a couple of weeks and I'll buy it on the Kindle and, yep. uh, and I, maybe I'll read that on the plane. I love reading on Kindle. Yeah. I, I read a lot of things on there. So, and it, and they usually come in on sales. A lot. <laughs> I buy a lot of things on sale. So, oh yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, I sorry to I just took us way off track oh, for a second, but no, that's uh, perfect. That's I, a, I'm glad you did. Yeah, it's a it's a good good read. Uh, there's a lot of Lewis that I would commend, and you know, as you know, it, just having those creative minds. I think sometimes as we as we read folks that are being creative with how they see the world, yeah. it helps right. to dislodge us from the day to day routine. Yeah. Uh, I don't read yeah. a lot of of fiction. I'm I'm just not a fiction guy. That's why I don't really love TV. Uh, but at times I will read something that's fiction, and it will uh, it often drives me in the pictures that they use. I see pictures of the gospel show up, and I right. really enjoy right. that. Right. Uh, that that kind of uh, opportunity to to break the routine a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's one more thing that that might be beneficial, and um, and, and what I've discovered in periods of dryness is that I like to isolate myself. Right. I feel isolated from God. I want to isolate myself from ministry. I want to isolate from church people. And one of the things that I'm learning to do is even though I don't feel like it, I really need to be around some brothers and sisters that can encourage me. 
and and I don't have to be the life of the party, and I can be in in you know I can be sitting at a lunch table with two or three guys from the church and not feel chipper. Right. But what I've discovered is that isolation makes it worse. Mm-hmm. And and if I can get myself around uh, some folks that that love me and and I love them, and it doesn't have to be a therapy session, and I don't even have to say anything. But one of the things that I started doing as a pastor is when I would meet with people for lunch, just people from the church, no agenda, we're just eating lunch. Uh, Some of them are just my friends. But I would always, I started always asking this question, how are things going spiritually? Mm -hmm. And the answer was always the same, not too good. And these were leaders in my church. These were deacons and Sunday school teachers and sometimes fellow pastors. And so what I discovered is that just having the opportunity to talk about it was helpful. You know, to give yourself permission to, number one, not think that you're a freak <laughs> or that it, or that somehow God has abandoned you because yeah. he hasn't, but that a, you're normal. That's a tempting thing to think. Especially oh, yeah. if it's especially tempting. if you know that your sin is what's causing the break. He's like, okay, I'm done. He's 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 kicked me out. I'm done. Uh, it's easy yeah. to get and into. And one that. of the things that I've been able, to, yeah, and one of the things I've been able to do is to have uh, a wife who gives me the freedom to say to her, you know, pray for me. I'm struggling, and you know, I don't have to give a whole lot of details. But we've been married long enough now. She knows what that means. Yeah. You know, I'm just really having a rough time. Uh, she can say the same thing to me. Or to have a friend or two where I can just say, you know, I'm just kind of in a funk, a spiritual funk. And um, there's no rhyme or reason to it, but, I, but I'd appreciate your prayers. Yep. Sometimes that's really helpful just to be able to say it to someone. Um and, and to share it, not not as some sort of like you're downloading and dumping, you know, 30 years of stuff, but yeah. just to say, you know, at this moment, I don't know. I just don't feel very connected spiritually. Just pray for me. And that's been a great help to me through the years to be able to do that, too. Yeah, I was thinking about, uh, as you were saying that, the, the picture in my mind came that, that a lot of times we... Uh, we know where the stream is, but we put a dam up in front of it. And, yeah. uh, you know, we try to isolate from everybody. And, and, and we notice that the streams are running a little dry, so we kind of build a dam up. And, you know, maybe that'll help it build up. But then we forget that when we do that, it keeps it from flowing through. And uh, sometimes yeah. just, just making sure there's there's that one little spot where it can come through. And then it'll it'll yeah. come back to being a full, full stream soon enough, as long as you get it flowing. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Man, it's it's a tough thing to do sometimes. Yeah that that is a uh, that is a very good picture, Ryan, of 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 how we um, in those seasons are building a dam mm-hmm. that blocks the stream that uh, refreshes us. And we we and these things we're talking about are ways that we can begin to chip away and yep. and and break that dam apart. Um, I don't know if you got beavers where you live up there on the rivers. Not not but, too many uh, in this part. There there used to be, 
but I think they pretty well hunted them out well before <laughs> well before I was born. Uh, I know there are well, some in the area. We got a lot of groundhogs, uh, <laughs> but we do have a few. Well, there are down some here. here well, down here, the, the beavers will dam up the creek. Oh, yeah. And and so the, the you know, maybe the farmer is hurting his irrigation mm -hmm. system, and he'll go and uh, tear that dam down. And that beaver will build it back, and he'll tear that dam down, and that beaver will build it back. And so they have the only way to stop it is to kill the beaver. Yeah. You know, and and sometimes we've got to identify those things that uh, are, are we're that are building that dam in and, our life. And sometimes that's and us. And just sometimes that's us. Yep. And find a way to tear it down, and uh, and you know what, it, you'll build it back. Yeah, you just keep tearing it down, and uh, that's a good metaphor, Ryan. I'm glad you mentioned that. Well, that's a really you. good metaphor of the, I, the the water being dammed up. That's good. I want to I want to pivot that idea just a little bit. Uh, we're talking about how we see it with ourselves, and one of the things I've we've done as we went through the fruit of the spirit uh, and the series on that is talk about how we can encourage others to build up the fruit of the spirit in themselves and, mm -hmm. and or well mm -hmm. and how we can encourage its growth in others let me put it that way um, but right. in, in this sense where we're looking at the dryness you know is if as a leader as a friend as a spouse as a parent whatever um, as we see folks that are in that dryness if we get a chance to sense it which uh, sometimes it's obvious and sometimes folks are really good at hiding it uh, sure. and and sometimes it, it all comes at once but when we see that especially if we can see it uh, as it starts to develop. What are some things uh, that we can do as uh, folks that are walking alongside with others? What can we do to help encourage them to get back into the gospel or to find a way to uh, kind of break that dam down without yeah, taking an ax yeah. to it ourselves? Because I, I don't think, sure. I don't think us taking the ax to it ourselves is helpful. Um, I think in fact, right. a lot of, a lot of times that's going to cause more damage because now you're just going to get flood. And uh, sometimes right, you right. get you get washed away in that flood. So, sure. Well, I think one thing to remember, if you you know, as as a friend, I, I need to remind myself that they they don't feel like they can pray. They don't feel like they can read the Bible. They're just mm -hmm. in that place right now. So what I need to do is I need to be the one who says, "Hey, let me pray for us." I need to be the one that on Saturday night calls my friend up and says, hey, I'm looking forward to seeing you in church tomorrow. I, I need to be the one who's sensitive to that yeah. and is willing to take the initiative at least to involve that person in spiritual activities. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, you know, if someone were to come to me and they were to say, you know, I'm just in a rut, I'm in the doldrums, uh, and I were to say, well, you know what, you're just not committed enough. You, you just need to read your Bible more. And and, and they would, and here's what they would say. I've tried. Well you, well, you need to pray more. Well, I don't feel I can't. And so I think what we have to do is that, you know, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 that we're supposed to stir one another up to love and good deeds. And I think that stirring up means that uh, that we're willing to take the initiative on some things and uh, show care and concern. Um, and if they can't pray, then pray with them. Yep. You know. And if if, the, if 
if they're if they're falling out, then go get them and love them. And uh, we would want somebody to do that for us too. Oh, absolutely. And, and one of the worst things one of the worst things that happens in the life of the church is when somebody hits a season, and it could be caused by a life experience. Um, you know, the death of a parent. Uh, you know, as our parents get older or some other experience that just causes us to be melancholy. And then sometimes what makes it worse is when the people that we go to church with just never really reach out. And and I've heard that through the years from more Christians who said, you know, I went through something really tough and nobody was there. And I, and I think it's important, the one another's, that we practice the one another's. Yep that we love one another and pray for one another. And we have to be intentional with that. Yes. And I think that's why the, the church, we have to understand the church as a family. It's a covenant community. And one of the things that I, I've shared at our church is that this ought to be the place where when you go, when God calls you home, these are the people that carry you out. Mm. And, uh, you know, at, at the end of your funeral, that these are the people that we're doing life together like that. And, and and so I think that that's probably where it begins uh, for me is is recognizing it, being concerned about it, and then being proactive, doing something, you know, to love and care and minister to my friend who's just going through a bout of spiritual melancholy. Yeah. I was, as you were saying that, I, I something that popped into my mind was that it's, important that if you're the one in the rut to give your friends permission to do it too Uh, i've seen folks that uh whether it was me reaching out to them or i've seen others reach out to them or even cases where someone reached out to me where you know they they came in to try to walk alongside of you and they like slap their hand away and say you know get away from me and uh, my Mm -hmm. wife and i have a code that that she's she always jokes that she's very much the cat person and uh, you know, you know how cats are. They like to have their alone time and there, there's, oh, yeah. a, there are seasons in our marriage where she just wants to sit and read a book for the night. And she really would rather me not be around. And, uh, and that's okay. There's times where we need that. And uh, we have a sequence and she'll look at me with this look and I'll look at her and say, got it. I love you. Go away. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I know what she means. I know it's not that she's angry with me, but there's sometimes that we put that message across of go away and we forget the, I love you part or we put the message because we're hurt. um, We we're not careful about saying things a a gentle way. And so someone will come alongside of us and they're trying to be genuinely nice and they're making themselves vulnerable and we respond with unkindness and that pushes Mm -hmm. them away. And I think it's something to be aware of, uh, that we're going to go through those times and that when somebody does come to help us out, uh, that, that especially with inside the body where we are supposed to be uh, a covenant community, we are brothers and sisters walking together, that uh, we need to accept when folks do offer help and let them help. And, you know, sure. we're not we're not being you're not being an imposition when somebody walks to you and offers help. And you're right. not being an imposition within the family when you walk up and ask for help, even if they haven't offered it. Because that's what families, yeah. that's what we're supposed to do. And I think yeah, sometimes exactly we forget right. that. Uh, we forget to reach out. We forget to accept help uh, when it is offered. Or we do so in a way that is that, that turns people away from us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. So I think well, you're right, right on the money. I'm gonna jump in and read a passage uh, to close us off because I think I think we've done a pretty good job of of knocking this one down. And uh, yeah. what I want to do is uh, jump to First Peter. And recently, this has been something I've not been going through a dry stretch this summer. But at the same time, this is a passage that just, uh, for a variety of reasons, has really opened up to me uh, in the last couple of years. And especially so this summer, I've spent a good bit of time in First Peter for a variety of reasons. It didn't. It, it's been uh, several different things. It started out as as a choice that I made in my personal Bible study uh, because I have more time in the summers. I decided to read entire books uh, for several days in a row. So I would read the same book in the morning for two weeks. And then that night I'd read a different book all the way through front to back um, for two weeks. And then I picked a new book. And the first ones I picked this summer were James and first Peter. And I read them together. And uh, then shortly thereafter, I went off on vacation. And while I was on vacation, my pastor sent me a note. He was getting ready to go on vacation. And uh, the person he had arranged to cover and, and preach in the pulpit while he was gone, was not able to uh, take care of that. And so he called me to see if I would pinch hit. And uh, so because First Peter was big on my mind at that time, I chose a section out of it. I'm not going to read that section. I'm going to read a little bit different part. While I'm here, I want to say thank you to Chris specifically, because while my pastor was out of town, I didn't want to bug him. I didn't want to interfere with vacation because he needs his rest. And so I sent an email out or actually sent a tweet out that said, hey, guys, uh, that are pastors, could somebody look over my sermon notes? And not only did Chris look over it once, but he kept looking over it and listened to the sermon afterwards and really helped me develop into uh, that particular sermon. I'm very grateful for that. So I want to say thank you uh, for doing that. It, it, uh, your, oh, sure. your, your guidance and thoughts and encouragement meant so much and gave me confidence as I stepped up to the pulpit. Uh, it did freak me oh, out a little bit. Uh, because everybody I sent the notes to sent back only positive comments and constructive, you know, not, there wasn't anything of that's wrong. So kind of messed with me because I don't have that confidence yet (laughs) of stepping in and, and it's just, it's the way I function. I like to have a lot of eyes look at things and, uh, and, and make sure that it's right. And I I like to have that multiplicity of eyeballs. Uh, so anytime I do things, I, I tend to do that, but, uh, I was looking at first Peter this summer and this opening section just continually uh, opened up my heart and, and just, just put me in a moment of awe and wonder and gratefulness and thankfulness. Uh, and then this weekend we were, we were used this passage was uh, part of our Sunday school material. And again, it just, it just opened up to me. And I, I for some reason I keep coming back here. Uh, it's been several months now that I've just, I, I end up in first Peter a lot. And uh, so I'm just going to read it and uh, we'll let that be the end of the episode today. We pray that this right here will ground you in who God is, what he has promised, and to know that his promises will come true. Whether you're feeling a dry season or not, whether you're going through a time of trial or not, you can anchor on God's promises. And that's one of the things that Chris brought up earlier So I'm going to read this and then we will be done. We invite you to listen to our next episodes. I'm not sure who our guest host is going to be on the next episode, but we will have somebody because I don't like flying solo. And uh, we thank you for listening to Simmering Thoughts. Here we go. First Peter. I'm going to read just the first nine verses. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those chosen 
living as exiles, dispersed abroad in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient and to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope. That living hope is important, by the way. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And you rejoice in this, even though now, for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, which is more valuable than gold, which, though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you've not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Thank you all for listening to Simmering Thoughts. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Simmering Thoughts. I want to say a special thank you to Christine for joining me for the first year of Simmering Thoughts as my co-host. I am honored to have gotten to know Chris, to work together with him in this project, and to see what his walk with Christ looked like through the process. He has inspired me in so many ways and has helped me clarify my thought. So Chris, thank you very much. Please send Chris a thank you for his work on Simmering Thoughts while he's been here. You can contact him on Twitter at Dean Chris and also on Facebook. We also would like to have you rate and review us as a podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you all for listening. 